The reading today is from John 1, verses 1 to 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming, coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, For those that I haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet, uh, my name is Callum, uh, and I'm the Worship and Creative Arts Coordinator here at Seeds Crawler Park. Uh, It's such an honour and a privilege to be able to be up here speaking with you all this morning. Uh, I feel so grateful to be a part of a church that encourages and champions young people to live out their potential in Christ. So thanks, Mark, for this opportunity. Uh, Let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this opportunity to learn from you this morning. I pray that we would have open hearts to hear what you might be saying to us. Pray that your Holy Spirit would lead and convict, shaping and moulding us more into your likeness and who you have called us to be. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today I'm super excited to be sharing with you all alongside Eleanor. Um, and we're going to be talking about Jesus being the light of the world. Uh, this idea and this metaphor comes straight out of Scripture. It comes from John 8 verse 12. And it says this. It'll be up on the screen. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In this passage, we clearly have Jesus telling the people that he is the light of the world. But what does this actually mean? What does this light look like? And how do we see it outworking in our everyday lives? I believe the best illustration to help us understand this concept is to imagine just a simple room. Think of this room with no windows, no source of light. The room sits completely in darkness. If a lamp is brought into this room and turned on, suddenly the room is light. Not rocket science here. The darkness no longer exists in the room because darkness is simply an absence of light. So for Jesus to be telling us that he is the light of the world... That means that a life lived without relationship with Jesus is a life lived in darkness. An absence of Jesus in our lives creates darkness, whereas a life lived in relationship with Jesus is vibrant. It's full of life and light. When I was in high school, many, many years ago now, (laughs) knew that one would go down well. Uh, So back when I was in year nine, I was lucky enough to go on this week-long hiking trip through school. It was through this program called The Right Journey. 
And essentially, we started off in the Onkapringa Gorge, and for five days, we were hiking and just camping, just in pretty like random paddocks and fields and whatnot. And we pretty much carried everything on our back, and we would just hike from place to place. It was the best. I absolutely loved it. Because someone like me, I love being outdoors. I love camping. So I I frothed the opportunity. That was hard to say. (laughs) Um, So I was absolutely loving it, right up my alley. Some people, though, maybe didn't have the best time. Those who maybe weren't as experienced with camping, those who maybe didn't enjoy the outdoors quite as much. One of my friends in particular, I'm not going to name his name, we'll call him Tim for now, okay? So imagine Tim. Um, Tim had not done much camping at all. Um, And that meant that Tim was a bit uncomfortable, but he also forgot to bring a few things, Um, which created for some funny stories, one of which was he forgot his head torch. Now, this is mostly fine because, like, we would be camping... Um, sorry, hiking throughout the day, so plenty of sunlight. But at night, we would pull up to just random paddocks and we'd just camp anywhere. So there's no source of light and there's no bathrooms. So a couple of times, Tim would need to use the bathroom. So a few of us would have to go with him, with our lights, to provide some light for him so that he could see. So we'd walk off, you know, maybe 50, 100 metres from the campsite. He'd do his stuff. We'd come back. Um... Tim was a bit of a a trickster, so we thought we'd prank him one night. So we're out there with him, and we all decide that we're just going to turn off our torches and sprint back to camp and leave him there. It was awesome. So we're with him, and there's a few of us, and we look at each other, and just three, two, one, bang, we bolt. We run back to the campsite, uh, followed by this loud yelling, and Tim running after us, trying to hit us (laughs) after quickly finishing his business it was pretty funny he wasn't too happy about it but it was great looking back at the story you see the thing with this story is that Tim was afraid of the dark and he wasn't prepared he wasn't familiar with being outdoors and in that territory so the light provided comfort and familiarity for him in the darkness when the light was removed he was suddenly surrounded by darkness he panicked he was fearful and he made it a little bit of a mess which he had to clean up later. You see, the same can be said for our relationship with Jesus. He tells us that he is the light of the world, but what does this actually mean for us? He uses this metaphor to demonstrate a sense of peace, hope, and comfort. Jesus being the light of the world is so powerful for us because an absence of light causes fear, but Jesus provides us with peace. The darkness causes doubt, but Jesus provides assurance and hope. The darkness tells us that we aren't worthy, that we're not worthy of love, but Jesus shows us his scars to show just how worthy we are. When Jesus tells us that he is the light of the world, he is showing us that we are free from the power of sin and darkness. Jesus has not only become the light of the world, but he's become the light over darkness. I want to read John 1, verse 4 to 5. It says this, In him was life, and that, light was, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, the great thing about the light is it has total power of the darkness. If darkness is simply an absence of light, then if there is light in a room, there can be no darkness. 
and the light simply cannot be overpowered. Jesus being the light of the world is so important for us to understand because he's trying to show us that no power of hell can overcome the power of the light. The darkness has no authority in our lives because Jesus has already overcome it. I think sometimes that we just so easily forget that and how important that is. Would you agree? How often are we fearful about situations? How often do we doubt? How often do we sit content in our sin and our current situation without realizing that Jesus actually has authority over it? Where there is light, there is simply no room for darkness. So what could it look like for you and I to bring Jesus into our struggles, to bring him into our fears, into our doubts, and allow him to transform us? Allow him, allow him to trust him and turn our situations around. I think back to just earlier this week. I was telling mum just how stressed and overwhelmed I was feeling. So she said she'd pray for me. I prayed about it. I went off. I was driving somewhere, listening to worship music. And in a matter of just one or two hours, I felt instantly better. And I understand that like, it isn't always as simple as that. Life can be so messy and situations can be really difficult. The enemy can try to throw so many things our way to weigh us down. But what would it look like to actually trust Jesus in our situation? No matter what we're feeling, no matter what we're fearing, what could it look like to bring the light of Jesus into our situations and trust that he can transform it? The light of Jesus cannot be overcome by the darkness we're facing. That verse again, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Or I even like to think of it, if you reword a little bit, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will never overcome it. If we read John 8 verse 12 again, it says, When Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, here in this verse, Jesus actually promises us that if we choose to follow him, we will never walk in the darkness. We have the light of life. And as we know, that light is Jesus. So when we choose to follow him, Jesus lives inside us. He is with us, he protects us, and he guides us. One clear outworking of this is when he paid the ultimate price on the cross. He defeated death so that we would not have to live an eternal life in darkness. But he also protects us from the darkness on a daily basis and the struggles we face. Choosing to live in the light of Jesus, though, it's not just a once-off decision that we make. It's not just a little spell that we cast to guarantee our eternal life, our salvation, and then we go on living the exact same way as before. Choosing to live in the light of Jesus, it's a daily decision that we must wake up and choose. We must wake up and choose to invite Jesus into our struggles, into our wins, into everything we face, and allow him to transform our character. We have a loving God who didn't just send his son so that we could live forever, but that we could actually live in relationship with him. We choose to follow Jesus and his ways to live a life full of light of Christ inside us, a life full of purpose, hope, and peace. This idea of Jesus being the light of the world at Christmas is so timely when we look at the greater story of the Bible. Because if we, if we have a read through the Old Testament, we see this continual pattern of rebellion from the Israelites and God. It's not hard to see. 
You know, we see the Garden of Eden. God creates a perfect environment for us to live in harmony. We go our own way and they sin. Then when we find ourselves captive in Egypt, God performs signs and wonders and miracles and he frees the Israelites. And then in the wilderness, they rebel. They turn. They go their own way. It's this constant pattern of rebellion and you can see it all through the Old Testament. Time and time again, the Israelites turned from God to live in their own path, the path of darkness. And then he sends Jesus to be the light and the life of the world, to be a saviour, a redeemer, and a friend. When we come to Christmas, where we sing so often about light, and it's found so much in the Bible, but also these different carols that we sing so regularly, they all refer to Jesus being the light and being the light of the world. In songs such as, such as Hark the Herald Angels Sing, some of the lyrics say, Hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. We sing these songs with such joy at Christmas time because we have such a powerful reason to sing. It's an annual marking and a reminder of when Jesus came down to earth, when he humbled himself into human form to shine his light into the dark situation we were living in where God came down to bridge the gap so that we could have an eternal relationship with him. That even though Israel and all of humanity to this day has a pattern of rebellion against him, the light coming down to earth is a marking of hope to come, that Jesus doesn't want to leave you where you're at. Christmas is all about light. Jesus is the light of the world. And the light of Jesus is pure. He is holy and the only one to walk the earth that is worthy of praise. The light of Jesus is constant. He remains consistent in our lives yesterday, today and forever. His love is unchanging for us. The light of Jesus is vital. For life, for, for life is not possible without a source of light. We were made to be in relationship with Jesus and depends on him as our source of life. And finally, the light of Jesus is victorious. As I mentioned before, the light has power and authority. It outshines the darkness, as it says in John 1. Meaning that through Jesus coming into the world and defeating death on the cross, we now have freedom over the things that once held us captive. Looking back again to those Old Testament patterns of rebellion, Jesus came to be a light in that situation a symbol of hope and an opportunity for reconciliation with God. Jesus has also come to be a light in our current situation, in your current situation. What are some areas of your life that you need to invite Jesus into? We have a God that wants to be in relationship with us so deeply, so why should we hold back parts of ourselves from him? He knows us, he loves us. And he wants an intimate relationship where we bring our joys to him, where we bring our struggles to him, where we bring the mundane, we just live life with him. When we do this, he's able to shine his light into our situations and bring peace and healing. Jesus, the light of the world, the light over darkness. So what might this look like heading into our weeks, heading into our future, knowing that Jesus is the light of the world? and the light over darkness. We are able to live our lives with the confidence and assurance that Jesus has authority over darkness. 
we are able to know that Jesus is a constant source of hope in our lives that we can rely on when things get messy. We can know that through anything we face, Jesus is with us and he's by our side and he wants to be in relationship with us, supporting us and providing comfort as we live. The best thing about light, especially something like a head torch, is that helps us see not only provides comfort, but it gives us direction and it helps us see what's around us. God is someone who is not bound by space or time. So he goes before us in life and he knows so much more than we do. So we should trust him in his direction for our future. When we allow Jesus to be the source of light in our lives, he is able to provide us with direction for what's ahead. He opens our eyes to see those in need around us and guides us on the paths we should be taking. I encourage you, as we head into this time of Christmas, take time to reflect on what it means for Jesus to be the light of your world. Reflect on the hope and joy that his birth brings and how Jesus came to be a light over the darkness surrounding us. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I pray that you would find peace in that verse and know that Jesus is greater and has authority than anything that you may be facing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we we thank you for that gift of your Son. We thank you for the reminder that it is this time of year that you came as the light of the world to be the light over darkness. Father, we thank you for the authority that you have. And I just want to pray over anyone here today who is struggling with something that they feel overwhelmed with. Father, I pray that your peace and your light would be upon them, that they would know how much you love them. And Father, they would be able to trust in you as the light of the world. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's invite Eleanor up now. All right. Good morning, church. Um, My name is Eleanor. For those of you who I haven't met, um, you might have seen me pottering around sometimes in kids' church. Um, yeah, lovely to welcome you here this morning. So Alan, as, not Alan, as Callum, <laughs> as Callum has been speaking about, we are talking about this topic of Jesus' light of the world, um, which is discussed in John chapter 1. Um, as Callum has spoken about, there is totality in Christ's light, and this overcomes all darkness, and this is incredibly amazing. I'm going to touch on... Um, earlier in John chapter 1, and I'm going to speak uh, about John the Baptist. Um, So John the Baptist was called by God with this intentional purpose of making the way for Christ. So we read, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So what does it mean to be a witness to the light? For John, it meant devoting his life to sharing the good news of a saviour who was to come. It meant humbling himself to a nomadic lifestyle, living off the fat of the land and trusting in God's providence each day. It meant basing every decision from his God-given calling to be a signpost pointing towards the one to come. Then, of course, Jesus enters the chat. And he begins his ministry, and John testified about Christ, proclaiming that this is the man who would fulfill Old Testament scripture. 
and whose light would allow sanctification and relationship with our Heavenly Father. So essentially in the life and even the death of John, we see this God-given purpose of being a witness to the light of Christ. And what's special about this is we also have been chosen and called to that same purpose of bearing witness to the light of Christ. So what is the impact of the light in our own lives and how do we as humble children live in a way that recognises and celebrates and points to Christ's light? So, living as a witness to the light. First of all, and personally for me, one of the greatest roadblocks to living out a life that points to Christ is one that was mentioned last week by Ashley, and that is our own self-centeredness. We as humans are inherently self-focused, and that's something that stems from our natural instinct for survival. Our default is to live a life where we are the main character, where it's all about myself, my own feelings and desires. Among the young ones in the room, this is called being the main character in your, in your own life. It's become a bit of a trendy saying. For the older generation in the room, I'll try to explain. <laughs> um, so essentially, being the main character of your life, it's something that's seen on social media, you try to identify in social circumstances, are you the main character or the side character? And I was trying to think of an example to display this. Um, and it actually happened once on a camp. We'd finished the camp and we were ending it with a celebration and a dance party. Um, and someone in this room, in fact, um, was ready to bust out some moves because on comes this song from Greece. I don't know what it's called. It's like, tell me more, tell me more. You know that one? Oh, I think they've revealed themselves. Um, so on comes this song and Rachel and her brother head into the centre of the dance floor and begin whipping out this iconic give and take and suddenly we have a circle and we've got the boys on one side and the girls on the side and um, yeah we're just living out that famous scene from the movie so onlookers might have said that for Rachel and for Matt that was their main character moment they were they they were the ones bringing the entertainment we were just side characters along giving a little bit of support So where am I going with this? Well, essentially, often we want to be the main characters of our own lives. This is definitely the message that secular society sends. The do what makes you feel good, be your best self, you do you. And whilst not inherently evil messages, they essentially point to yourself. It praises a life where everything you do and your whole purpose is to be a signpost for yourself. But being a signpost for ourselves is ultimately incredibly unfulfilling. It's because we realise we are broken people and we fall short of God's glory. And essentially being a a signpost to ourselves is pointing to our own anxieties, our own insecurities and our own iniquities. We're not called to live as witnesses to our own self and my own ego, but rather we're called to live as witnesses to Christ and his light. In John 3.30, John again testifies about Christ. He says, he must become greater, I must become less. This realisation for me is personally one that has had the greatest impact on my faith and my perspective on life. Understanding that submission to Christ is beautiful and freeing shifted my mindset. When Jesus said, deny yourself and follow me, I previously viewed this as self-punishment, and the world might say that this is self-abuse, But by the grace of God, he has revealed that is, in fact, the opposite. 
Denying yourself is true freedom. By denying our flesh and our worldly desires, we are saying less of me, Lord, and more of you. Less of my anxiety, more of your peace. Less of my addiction, more of your shame, more of your freedom. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Less of my shame, more of your grace. I must become less, you must become greater. And in fact, last night I was at a really beautiful wedding of a friend of mine and I was catching up with some old school friends. And I actually had a discussion about this last night. Um, My friend came to me and was talking about, you know, what's going on in your life and what's happening. Um, And as the conversation continued, I saw that my friend was having a bit of an internal conflict. They're in the world of business and they want to pursue a little bit of that wealth and that... um, that success and prestige, but they're also wanting to put Christ at the center of their life. And I said, it's not necessarily evil to want to pursue wealth if, you know, use it for God's kingdom. But I pointed out to him, I said, on this journey, whilst you are pursuing success and, and that fame for yourself, who is this sign pointing to? Is the sign pointing to you or is it pointing to Christ? And I asked him the motives behind his desires. Essentially, this is where we find true freedom, in living out our true identity as image bearers and testifying to Christ's light. But as you know, and as Callum touched on, this is a daily decision. And in fact, it's not human effort or striving that we can become like Jesus. This can be our second mistake. We think... Okay, yes, God is, God is great. Jesus is amazing. I want to be like him. You know what? I am going to be the most patient, generous, kind person ever. I will become the physical embodiment of the fruits of the Spirit. But this is not something that can be strived for. It's a transformation of the heart done by God. And in John chapter 112, we read, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. It's by God's grace that he reveals himself to us, and his light transforms us into disciples of Jesus, who bear fruit and naturally point to Christ. And this is a journey that some in the room are a lot further along in, and maybe they've been walking with Christ longer than others of us have even been alive. And for some of us, we might be Um, spiritual newborns and still figuring out what it means to have the light of Christ in your life. And of course, there's everything far and in between. And on this daily journey, because we're human, we do waver and wane. I get the picture of those arrows that you see in movies on like farm barns and they move in the wind. And on a really nice, calm, still day, our arrow might be going strong, we're pointing to Christ then suddenly a gust of wind blows and we're 180 in the complete opposite direction. But walking with Jesus is like having your arrow slowly tightened and screws are put in and it becomes more difficult to move your arrow. It takes a really big strong gust of wind to point it away from Christ. And as you're walking with him, eventually he will weld you into place and your arrow will always be fixed on him. So what if your only purpose was to be a witness to the light of Christ? What if all you had to do on this earth was allow the light of Christ to transform you? How much would that ease all anxiety to strive and achieve because you're not the main character of your own life? Especially during this time of Advent, 
we reflect on the absolute gift it is to be a witness to the light of Christ, to be a testament to the love and patience and kindness that is Christ. Because this world needs more signposts towards Jesus, we have plenty of other signs pointing every other direction. May this blessed time of year be a reminder of our purpose and God-given calling to bear witness to the light that came down from heaven and made his dwelling among us. The light that came to us humbly as a baby born in a manger. And may we as children of God live as witnesses to this light daily. I'm just going to close in prayer. Dear Lord, We thank you for sending your son. We thank you that he came down and made his dwelling among us and has given his light to the world. Lord, I thank you that your light is so powerful. It overcomes all darkness forever. Lord, we pray that you will give us, as mere humans, the wisdom to live as witnesses to your light every day, Lord. We pray that you will help us to understand that there is freedom in submission. And that there's easing of anxiety when we recognize that we are not the center of our own lives, but rather a good, faithful, heavenly Father is the center of our lives. We pray over this Advent season, Lord. We thank you for the joy that will come of it. And we pray that your spirit will be working among our congregation. In Jesus' name, amen.